0: Section 26 of Cyropedia. The Education of Cyrus by Xenophon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kane Mercer. Cyropedia. The Education of Cyrus by Xenophon. Translated by H. G. Dakins, Book 6. Chapter 2. About this time ambassadors came to Cyrus from India with gifts of courtesy and a message from their king, saying, I send you greeting, Cyrus, and I rejoice that you have told me of your needs. I desire to be your friend, and I offer you gifts. And if you have need of anything more, I bid you say the word, and it shall be yours. I have told my men to do whatever you command. Then Cyrus answered, this then is my bidding the rest of you shall stay where you have pitched your tents you shall guard your treasures and live as you choose but three of you shall go to the enemy and make believe that you have come to him about an alliance with your king and thus you shall learn how matters stand and all they say and all they do and so bring me word again with speed and if you serve me well in this i shall owe you even more than i could owe you for these gifts there are some spies who are no better than slaves, and have no skill to find anything more than is known already, but there are men of another sort, men of your stamp, who can discover plans that are not yet disclosed. The Indians listened gladly, and for a moment made themselves at home as guests of Cyrus. But the next day they got ready and set off on their journey, promising to find out as much as they could of the enemy's secrets and bring him word again with all possible speed. Meanwhile Cyrus continued his preparations for the war on a magnificent scale, like one who meant to accomplish no small achievement. Not only did he carry out the resolutions of his allies, but he breathed a spirit of emulation into his own friends and followers, till each strove to outshine his fellows in arms and accoutrements. In horsemanship and spearmanship and archery, in endurance of toil and danger, Cyrus would lead them out to the chase and show especial honor to those who distinguished themselves in any way. He would whet the ambition of the officers by praising all who did their best to improve their men and by gratifying them in every way he could. At every sacrifice and festival, he instituted games and contests and all martial exercises, and lavished prizes on the victors, till the whole army was filled with enthusiasm and confidence. By this time Cyrus had almost everything in readiness for the campaign, except the battering machines. The Persian cavalry was made up to its full number of 10,000 men, and the scythe chariots were complete a hundred of his own and a hundred of abradatas of susa had provided beside these there were a hundred of the old median chariots which cyrus had persuaded cyaxares to remodel in his own type giving up the trojan and lydian style the camels were ready also each animal carrying a couple of mounted archers the bulk of the great army felt almost as though they had already conquered and the enemy's power was held of no account while matters were thus, the Indians whom Cyrus had sent out returned with their report. Croesus had been chosen leader and general-in-chief. A resolution had been passed calling on all the allied kings to bring up their entire forces, raise enormous sums for the war, and spend them hiring in mercenaries where they could and making presents where they must. Large numbers of Thracians, armed with the short sword, had already been enrolled, and a body of egyptians were coming by sea amounting so said the indians to one hundred and twenty thousand men armed with long shields reaching to their feet huge spears such as they carry to this day and sabers beside these an army was expected from cyprus and there were already on the spot all the sicilians the men both from the phrygians of lysonia paphlagonia and cappadocia the arabians the phoetians and all the assyrians under the king of babylon moreover the ionians the aeolians and indeed nearly all the hellenic colonists on the coast were compelled to follow the train of croesus croesus himself had already sent to lacedaemon to propose an alliance with the spartans the armament was mustering on the banks of pactolus and they were to push forward presently to thimbrara the place which was still mustering ground for all the Asiatic subjects of the great king west of Syria, and orders had been issued to open a market there. This report agreed with accounts given by the prisoners, for Cyrus was always at pains to give men captured from whom he could get some information, and who had also send out spies disguised as runaway slaves. Such were the tidings, and when the army heard the news, there was much anxiety and concern, as one may well suppose. The men went about their work with unusual quietness, their faces clouded over, or gathered in knots and clusters everywhere, anxiously asking each other the news and discussing the report. When Cyrus saw that fear was in the camp, he called a meeting of his generals, and indeed of all whose dejection might injure the cause and whose confidence assisted moreover he sent word that any of the attendants or any of the rank and file who wished to hear what he had to say would be allowed to come and listen when they met he spoke as follows my friends and allies i make no secret of the reason i have called you here it was because i saw that some of you when the reports of the enemy reached us looked like men who were panic-stricken but i must say I am astonished that any of you should feel alarm because the enemy is mustering his forces and not be reassured by remembering that our own is far larger than it was when we conquered him before and far better provided under heaven with all we need. I ask how you would have felt, you who are afraid now, if you had been told that a force exactly like our own was marching upon us if you had heard that men who had conquered us already were coming now carrying in their hearts the victory they had won if you knew that those who made short work then of all our bows and javelins were advancing again and others with them ten thousand times as many suppose you heard that the men who had routed our infantry once were coming on now equipped as before but this time on horseback scorning arms and javelins each man armed with one stout spear ready to charge home suppose you heard of chariots made on a new pattern not to be kept motionless standing as hitherto with their backs turned to the foe as if for flight but with the horses shielded by armour and the drivers sheltered by wooden walls and protected by breastplates and helmets and the axles fitted with iron scythes so that they can charge straight into the ranks of the foe and suppose you heard that they have camels to ride on each one of which would scare a hundred horses and that they would bring up towers from which to help their own friends and overwhelm us with volleys of darts so that we cannot fight them on level ground if this were what you had heard of the enemy i as you once again you who are now so fearful what would you have done? You who turned pale when I told that Croetius has been chosen commander-in-chief, Croetius who proved himself so much more cowardly than the Syrians, that when they were worsted in battle and fled, instead of helping them, his own allies, he took to his heels himself. We are told, moreover, that the enemy himself does not feel equal to facing you alone. He is hiring others to fight for him better than he could for himself. I can only say, gentlemen, that if any individual considers our position as I describe it alarming or unfavorable, he had better leave us. Let him join our opponents. He will do us far more service there than here. When Cyrus had ended, chrysanthus the persian stood up and said cyrus you must not wonder if the faces of some were clouded when they heard the news the cloud was a sign of annoyance not fear just as if he went on a company were expecting breakfast immediately and then they were told there was some business that must be got through first i do not suppose any of them would be particularly pleased here we were saying to ourselves that our fortunes were made and now we are informed that there is still something to be done and of course our countenances fell not because we were afraid but because we would have wished it all over and done with however since it now appears that Syria is not to be the only prize though there is much to be got in Syria flocks and herds and corn and palm trees yielding fruit but lydia as well lydia the land of wine and oil and fig trees lydia to whose shores the sea brings more good things than eyes can feast on i say that once we realize this we can mope no longer our spirits will rise apace and we shall hasten to lay our hands on the lydian wealth without delay so he spoke, and the allies were well pleased at his words and gave him loud applause. ''Truly, gentlemen,'' said Cyrus, ''just as Chrysanthus says, ''I think we ought to march without delay, if only to be beforehand with our foes and reach their magazines before they do themselves. And besides, the quicker we are, the fewer resources we shall find with them.'' That is how I put the matter. But if anyone sees a safer or an easier way, let him instruct us. But many speakers followed, all urging an immediate march, without one speech in opposition. And so Cyrus took up the word again and said, My friends and allies, God helping us, our hearts, our bodies, and our weapons have now been long prepared. All that remains is to get together what we need for ourselves and our animals on a march of at least twenty days. I reckon that the journey itself must take more than fifteen, and not a vestige of food shall we find from end to end. It has been made away with, partly by ourselves, partly by our foes, so far as they could. We must collect enough corn, without which one can neither fight nor live. And as for wine? every man must carry just so much as will accustom him to drink water. The greater part of the country will be absolutely devoid of wine and the largest supply we could take with us would not hold out. But to avoid too sudden a change in the sickness that might follow, this is what we must do. We must begin by taking water with our food. We can do this without any great change in our habits. For everyone who eats porridge has the oatmeal mixed with water, and everyone who eats bread has the wheat soaked in water, and all boiled meat is prepared in water. We shall not miss the wine if we drink a little after a meal is done. Then we must gradually lessen the amount, until we find that, without knowing it, we have become water drinkers. Gradual change enables every creature to go through a complete conversion. AND THIS IS TAUGHT US BY GOD, WHO LEADS US A LITTLE BY LITTLE OUT OF WINTER UNTIL WE BEAR THE BLAZING HEAT OF SUMMER, AND OUT OF HEAT BACK AGAIN INTO THE DEPTHS OF WINTER. SO SHOULD WE FOLLOW GOD, AND TAKE ONE STEP AFTER ANOTHER UNTIL WE REACH OUR GOAL. WHAT YOU MIGHT SPEND ON HEAVY RUGS AND coverlets, SPEND RATHER ON FOOD. ANY SUPERFLUITY HERE WILL NOT BE WASTED and you will not sleep less soundly for lack of bedclothes. If you do, I give you leave to blame me. But with clothing, the case is different. A man can hardly have too much of that in sickness or in health. And for seasoning, you should take what is sharp and dry and salted. For such meats are more appetizing and more satisfying. And since we may come into districts as yet unravaged, where we may find growing corn, we ought to take hand mills for grinding these are the lightest machines for the purpose nor must we forget to supply ourselves with medicines they are small in bulk and if need arises invaluable and we ought to have a large supply of straps i wonder what is not fastened by a strap to man or horse but straps wear out and get broken and then things are at a standstill unless there are spare ones to be had some of you have learned to shave spears so that it would be well not to forget a plane and also to carry a rasp for a man who sharpens a spearhead will sharpen his spirit too he will feel ashamed to wet the edge and be a coward and we must take plenty of timber for chariots and wagons there is bound to be many a breakdown on the road also we shall need the most necessary tools for repairs since smiths and carpenters are not to be found at every turn but there are few who cannot patch up a makeshift for the time then there should be a mattock and a shovel apiece for every wagon and on every beast of burden a bill-hook and an axe always useful to the owner and sometimes a boon to all the provisions must be seen to by the officers of the fighting line they must inspect the men under their command and see that nothing is omitted which any man requires the mission of which will be felt by us all those of you who are in command of the baggage train will inspect what i have ordered for the animals and insist upon every man being provided who is not already supplied you gentlemen who are in command of the road makers you have the lists of the soldiers i have disqualified from serving as javelin men bowmen or slingers and you will make the old javelin men march with axes for felling timber the bowmen with mattocks and slingers with shovels they will advance by squads in front of the wagons so that if there is any road making to be done you may set to work at once and in case of need i may know where to get the men i want i mean also to take up corps of smiths carpenters and cobblers men of military age provided with the proper tools to supply any possible need these men will not be in the fighting line but will have a place assigned to them where they can be hired by any one who likes if any huckster wishes to follow the army with his wares he may do so but if caught selling anything during the fifteen days for which provisions have been ordered he will be deprived of all of his goods after the fifteen days are done he may sell what he likes any merchant who offers us a well-stocked market will receive recompense and honor from the allies and myself, and if anyone needs an advance of money for trading, he must send me guarantors who will undertake that he will march with the army, and then he can draw on our funds. These are the general orders, and I will ask any of you who think that anything has been omitted to point it out to me you will now go back to your quarters and make your preparations and while you do so i will offer sacrifice for our journey and when the signs are favourable we will give the signal at that you must present yourselves with everything i have ordered at the appointed place under your own officers and you gentlemen said he turning to the officers when your divisions are all in line, you will come to me in a body to receive your final orders. End of section 26